Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. I'm Rachel. I will be your host tonight and joining me on tonight's show is Fee. Welcome, Fee. How was your footy week? Oh, gosh, the footy week's been quite intense, hasn't it? it there's been all sorts of news that's come through from the AFLW and we're at the well, the last game of the, the second last game of the season. Um, but yeah, we're stuck in lockdown watching it on TV. Lockdown. Lucky. Lucky D. <laughs> I can't even keep up anymore. I have no concept of time. Time is meaningless to me, but I know that grand final is soonish because I'm <laughs> friends with Melbourne supporters and they do like to remind me of that. Yeah. Understandably so. It's fair enough. But, we, but apart from that, I have no concept of time. But we sort of know now that we won't be uh, having the grand final at the MCG. Maybe. I'm not clear at this point of time. I'm not sure anybody is clear at this point of time. What I do know is that Hawthorne are not going to make the grand final. Okay. Well, uh, I just have to <laughs> disclose that my I told my dad asked me, he messaged me during the week. Hi, Dad. Um, my Sydney Swans following father. He um <laughs> he messaged me during the week and he said, uh, what's happening with Chicks Talking Footy this week? And um I said, oh, Rachel and I are on together. And he goes, oh, you mean Chicks Talking Hawthorne? <laughs> <laughs> so we decided so, to call it at the yeah. beginning of the program to all so, that listeners. We're being Dad, transparent. We're going to talk about Hawthorne for about 17 minutes of the show. Just warning you. No, not really. Yeah. But uh, but now I'm <laughs> Wait, really conscious of it. I'm like, oh, we've been talking about it too long. But speaking of which, the... Um... Can I just say, though, it does seem fitting because there's actually a lot of positive news about Hawthorne. So I feel that potentially even non-Hawthorne supporters would also be talking about Hawthorne well, this week. Well, we were in the news last week when Alistair Clarkson uh, got booted out. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, retired. But, um, <laughs> and looking at this week's results, that was such a good decision. I know. Well, any, you know, that's what happened with Nathan Buckley. The pies lifted for a couple of weeks after he left as well. It seems to be sucking. Your co- I mean, get your coach leaving um, <laughs> seems to be a good, you know, morale booster or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, so apart from all things Hawthorne, our listeners could also look forward to a whole lot of other things on tonight's show. We do promise that. So Chicks Talking Hawks will also be discussing discussing (laughs) all the latest footy news and we'll also be reviewing round 22 of the AFL. And we'd also like to do a tribute to the great and wonderful Eddie Betts. Yes, we've dedicated a whole segment to it. But uh, 
Rach, one of the biggest news to hit the AFLW scene is um, we all waited for bated breath last, I think it was last Thursday, to find out if there would, what teams would be joining, if any, the AFLW in 2022, uh, which it was originally announced that everyone would definitely be in by 2023. Um, and the last remaining clubs are Essendon, Port Adelaide, Sydney Swans and Hawthorne. Uh, and we were all wondering whether they were just going to let two in and, you know, what was going to happen, but they let, they've basically completed the whole picture now, the whole competition mirrors the And that the has mail. been a headline that the AFL is now whole because all 18 clubs now have female teams and it is just so exciting. And it's really exciting because it demonstrates the demand and the appetite um, as Daisy Pierce said, to continue to grow and expand and provide more depth to the AFLW. And well, as a Hawthorne supporter, can I just say two things? One, I'm so sorry, Brooke Lockland. As of the 22-23 season, I can't barrack for you anymore. Yeah, you've got it. You're breaking up. Uh, and the second thing is I'm so excited to be able to take children to see a Hawks AFLW game. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I felt that. I mean, especially once it hit sort of 14 clubs and there was only four teams out of the yeah. out of the league, it really felt like, and I, I wasn't one of those people that cheated on, I mean, followed another team. Um, <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just wasn't able to do that. Some people, I don't, I honestly don't judge anyone who has, who had to, had done that because it's, um, you know, our team wasn't there. But I, I just couldn't do it. It wasn't wasn't part of what I could, you know, what I felt to do. But I felt sad every every start of the season. It was like getting excited about the AFLW starting, and then kind of just being a, a supporter on the outside. And uh, now I feel like I can, you know, I've got something to fully get behind. And we've got the only female coach now in the AFLW, Bet Goddard. We have Bet Goddard, which is so exciting. Premiership um, coach. Premiership uh, coach. It does and highlight, think, though, that there's not any other female coaches in the AFLW. Um, um, you know, we had Nick Del Santo getting appointed as the senior coach of St Kilda. And I, I have to say, I was a bit disgusted in that appointment. <laughs> I mean, you've well, got... Well, Bill got, McLaughlin did announce, did um, note when he made the announcement of the four clubs um, being granted licences for the 22-23 season that it is an issue that is very much at the forefront of his mind and is for a number of clubs. I don't yep. look, I don't know whether that means anything, but I just thought in fairness, it, it is considered to be something that's very visible and a, and a huge concern. Well, the, the thing was John Ralph in the Herald Sun called Nick Del Santo's appointment a stepping stone. So it's like this attitude well, that's that... Highly, uh, that's highly offensive. That's offensive. And <laughs> yeah. it, the women's competition can't be seen as a stepping stone. It has to be seen as a destination. And, right. you know, you've got coaches at St Kilda like Paddy Hill, who's won a premiership with the Hawks. Um, yes. And he's not just passionate about football or a, a high-profile player. He actually is a champion of the women's teams. Mm um and women's football and has been so supportive of grassroots women's football and he he wasn't appointed and I, I find that strange as well like he might be a bloke but he was also a champion of women's sports which we haven't ever heard a peep from Nick Del Santo before now 
So I'm a little bit. You haven't, but this brings me to an interesting point about. So I'm going to be a bit controversial here because I know one of the, you know, one of the teams is Essendon, one of the teams is Hawthorne, and we have many friends who barrack for both of those clubs. But do you think there's a concern with having an 18 club uh, competition about diluting the talent? Yeah, but I do think, um, I actually think we've got far much more talent and especially we've hit this point now where the girls and women that will be recruited have been playing all their lives, whereas we didn't have that before. I think, you know, we've got literally hundreds of thousands of girls across the country playing football now. I don't think we've got a shortage of talent. I just don't. And I think particularly yes, in we can we can really lean on the state league talent. And I think that's possibly what North Melbourne did, which is why they're probably one of the expansion clubs who came in with a bit more of a bang, let's say Richmond or St Kilda. I could be wrong there. Yeah, but I, I think, think so. I think that junior talent will come through as well. And I think Sydney have been working on their their female talent for a long time as well. So, hmm. um, see, Dad, I talk about Sydney as well. And um, <laughs> now what do you t- think about? Do you think there'll be any more decision that they'll release with regards to the length of the season or the starting of the season in the twenty two? Well, they've already announced that, so it's all starting. December. Um, do you think that will continue into the twenty two twenty three season? Uh, yes, I do actually. I think that I think it's going to be a summer sport. And conference, do you think they'll continue the conference? Well, no, the conference got canned last uh, a year before last. Yes, but do you think they'll bring it back now that no. there's 18 competitions? No, 18? The, the conference no. system was about as popular as a cancer diagnosis. So, <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly, yeah, about as popular as a lockdown, I reckon. So, um, but look, there's other news that we have to get through. Um, there is other news. And one of the things I would like to discuss, mm-hmm. because I found this particularly interesting, was the Toby Green suspension. Yes. Mm-hmm. So What's, as we know, he was suspended. Hang on, can for, we just pause? Is that your phone? Oh, was it? Oh, sorry. Must have been. Sorry, Dust Unit. You didn't right, it's all right. I just thought I'd wait. All right, cool. Let's keep talking. Toby so Green. So one thing I would like to talk about is Toby Green's suspension. So as you know, he was given two weeks for careless conduct against Dangerfield. Yes. He was reduced to a week. But what was interesting is that the lawyers went to the tribunal and said that they applied the wrong test for carelessness, which I thought was really interesting. And I don't really exactly understand test what their legal argument was. Yeah. I, I have... I don't even know what that means yeah and they said it was a like a split so obviously you can go to the tribunal I assume on an issue of fact or on an issue of law I would assume and they're saying that they've applied the wrong test by handing down the suspension and that it was a split second motion and it was only due to the fact that the opponent slipped ah yeah, but I don't know what the actual test was, and I'm still getting to the bottom of it. But for all those listeners out there, someone right. can emails, do the Instagrams or the Facebooks or whatever one does nowadays. Mm, Rachel's, Rachel's on the case. <laughs> I'm on the case. <laughs> what was interesting is they did reduce it, and as we'll discuss later in the show, it actually had very little impact. Well, yes, they didn't need him, that's for sure. Maybe it was good for him to have a rest for a week. Mm. Do you think that one of the reasons he got suspended was his Toby Green and it was against Dangerfield, though? 
like well, look, I think Toby Green doesn't have a good um, track record with the tribunal, so that probably does play a part. Mm. Um, but yes, now and also Dangerfield. Yes, well, I don't know that the tribunal. Species. I don't know if the tribunal actually thinks of it that way. <laughs> Maybe we think of it Maybe that it's way. Maybe just us. Yeah. Now, what happened on the weekend, Moon Unit, was um, that there was a pub crawl organised in Richmond during Melbourne's lockdown. Yeah. And there was Thanks a... Thanks everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, around here on Brunswick Street, near where I live, it was um, party town. <laughs> it was just people flooded out on the streets. Oh uh, I think everyone just lost lost it completely, like completely forgot how to do a lockdown on the weekend. But... Um, <laughs> Dion Prescia was photographed at the Richmond pub crawl. It hasn't yeah. been verified. It hasn't been verified, and I think there – I haven't heard anything further, but I think there's the possibility or it's speculated that he lives within a five-kilometre distance of where one of the crawls took place and then he just happened to be walking past and they just happened to take a photo of him. I think that's one of the uh, okay. possible narratives. I could be wrong. Because I haven't heard anything more about it since. Is a player supposed to get their photo taken with random strangers on the street during lockdown? So that was my (laughs) next point. Whether he was part of the pub crawl or not, in effect, A, he's possibly breaking rules by doing that, that the AFL have imposed, not necessarily the state government. And second of all, it's probably not a good look for somebody who is in a position of leadership within the Richmond Football Club. I'm just so I'm just so sick of the um, <clears throat> you know AFL players and sports players that have been given so much privilege during mm-hmm. the pandemic to the point that people are getting a bit sick of it actually to then go and flaunt things like that. And if he did just join in with the pub crawl. Or even to just go up to people. I just go, come on, mate. It still looks like a moment of support, whether he was part of the pub crawl or not. Yeah, like, come like on, mate, there's a big group photo, of people. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's supporting what those people were doing. Anyway, on that happy, exciting note, you're listening to Chicks Talking Footy on Joy 94.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Chicks Talking Footy or Chicks Talking Hawthorne, as we've renamed ourselves this week on Joy 94.9. <laughs> Dust unit, let's review round 22. I can't believe it's round 22 already. Time, once again, is both going very slowly and very fast. <laughs> yes, it's, um, I, I mean, there's only one game left of the season. And look, position seven and eight on the ladder are still up for grabs, I would say. Um, yeah, still, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah, but um, top six are definitely locked in, aren't they? But Speaking of which, uh, GWS and um, well, thrashed Richmond really on Friday night at the at the game. And so before we go into the statistics of the game, as you know, Dust Unit, I live with family members who don't have the same love and passion for the footballs that I do. Right. As you know. Yep. And on Friday, I fell and had to be rushed to the emergency. What? And needed stitches in my leg. I'm what? absolutely fine, listeners. I'm absolutely fine. I fell. It was my own fault. I was playing in a playground and fell. Anyway, I had stitches in my leg. And while I was waiting in the emergency, I sat there 
with my painkillers and got to watch the whole game <laughs> uninterrupted. And you were like, I'm so glad I ripped my leg open. And all of a sudden I had this moment of happiness because I don't think I've been able to watch a whole game from start to finish on a Friday <laughs> night uninterrupted for a very long time. Wow. <laughs> when you're happy to be an emergency because you finally get some peace, you know that life's <laughs> perhaps a bit manic. Life is a bit manic. Anyway, I did get to watch this game. I was wow. really shocked. Yeah, it, look, it, it, um, it, well, GWS were just winning the whole game. There was Richmond were never really in it at all. And no. really they were playing to keep any finals hope alive. Mm. Um, and, you know, pretty much, well, it is their, their, their finals hopes are dashed now, even though they could you know, technically win a game this weekend and be equal with some of the clubs that are in the top eight. Their percentage is still too low, I think, to give them any kind of hope. So I think they'd have but to look, be Hawthorne by 100. Agree. And look, that's possible. Uh, but <laughs> GWS were dominant. Richmond, their inexperience in defence showed. There was no pressure. It was not a Richmond I was used to watching. The only positive of the night was Morris Rioli, Rioli Jr. playing his first seniors game. That was really exciting. Oh, he played he his first game last week. Oh, sorry, second game. Second game, but he did kick a goal again. But he kicked was... a goal, which was fantastic. Look, um, I I don't know. I just it was really disappointing, and I was quite surprised uh, by the result. But look, uh, Josh Kelly, who's just recently signed an eight-year deal, he was. Definitely one of the best performers on the nights with 32 disposals. Well, you'd want to be. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, yes, that's true with such an amazing deal. Maybe that's what inspired him to play such a great game. It was just, look, GWS looked fantastic. They look like contenders. Yeah, they did actually. And they're, they're definitely a team that are sort of peaking towards the end of the season, which, you know, mm. is where you want to be going into, going into finals. Um, that's true. That's true. But finals football is very different to the home and away season. And GWS traditionally haven't been able to secure those sort of wins. Well, you'd in think the finals, that's but... right. They make a big, big sound, and then mm. they, and then the sound goes quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of going quiet, Western Bulldogs—they're a bit quiet. My goodness, I, you know, they're a bit quiet. What? <laughs> I mean, Hawthorne have won three games in a row. And, I mean, this was one game I thought they probably won't win this one. I mean, no. Western Bulldogs second on the ladder. Um, but West, the Bulldogs also look really flat. Like they just couldn't get a, get anything going. And I think, wow, we had so, we've got so many top players out at the moment. It's exciting seeing the young, you, you know, the young guys just flourishing and loving playing footy and being together. Uh, but yeah, if we could kick straight. We would have won by a hundred points. I know, <laughs> yeah. And Daniel Howe, I mean, he he's not normally our our top player, but he was thirty four disposals and just probably had the best game I've ever seen him play. Yes, it was un- unrelenting pressure against the Bulldogs, and it was they, it was actually they made so many errors that I haven't seen them make for a long time. Maybe it was Tasmania. Well, the well. Bull- no, that's they not looked- true because the Bulldogs um, have – that was their first interstate loss for the whole season. And it was our first win in Tassie, wasn't it? This uh, look, potentially. It probably feels like our <laughs> first <right>. win. <laughs> it sounds right. But they, the Bulldogs looked, I don't know, lethargic. I could understand the Bulldogs not coming out 100% because they want to ensure 
particularly against a game against Hawthorne where it has no impact if they win or lose. They don't want to risk any injury or any fatigue. But they went to the other side. They just didn't look like they had confidence. We looked hungry. We looked like we were trying to get into the finals. I know. I loved I loved. I know. I'm excited. It makes me excited about next year. But I promised that I wasn't going to talk about Hawthorne too much, so we'll talk about Geelong and St Kilda. <laughs> um, Geelong... Geelong and I look. I, I was. I mean, the Saints are another team that seemed to have picked up a little bit towards the end of the season. Yes, which is great. But I they think. couldn't quite overcome Geelong on the on the night or on the day. And you know, Jeremy Cameron, what a season he's had! Four goals. Hawkins. Well, the Saints were leading thirty-one to zero in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden, yeah. Tom and That's Jeremy right. Cameron, who has had a great season, you're right kicked seven goals yeah that's right that's right and you, I mean you sort of think gosh the Saints were looking good for the first half mm. uh, and you know really just got overcome mostly in the in the final quarter obviously so but good good positive signs that they've turned things around a little bit uh, bet- between them so well done uh, although I feel I feel it's so sad I feel like the same when people say things like about Hawthorne and Carlton oh it's going to be positive for next year that's another way to say oh you were terrible you were terrible most of the season <laughs> except the last three weeks that's yeah. what it's saying Port Adelaide and Carlton they also played oh my goodness poor Carlton after this one I mean it was wow. uh, you got to wonder whether David Teague's going to keep his job that was a 95 point slaughter it was to- a slaughter and uh, yeah, I mean David Teague. I, I really think this this round might be his last game. And all you Carlton supporters out there, please feel free to send many gifts to us when Alistair Clarkson wins you a flag. Oh uh, yeah, there. I can't. <laughs> I, I hope he takes a year off. He's tired. Need a sleep. <laughs> Need yeah, a nap. Poor old Carlton. They were goalless for the first. Um, Port Adelaide were remarkable. 19 consecutive goals, 12 goal kickers. 21 goals. They just looked, um, they looked great against Carlton. Rachel, normally you bang on and on and on about Port Adelaide winning the premiership. I haven't heard you do that so much this season. Are you just sort of sick of saying it now or? (laughs) No, no, no. What I'm trying to do is because um, obviously I'm so important and have such a um, significant sense of self that somehow I impact the outcomes of games. <laughs> I think that's called narcissism. Yeah. But yeah, it's. So uh... I'm trying not to talk about it because every year that I talk about it, Port Adelaide gets so close, but they never quite get there. So I've, I've decided to not say anything this year. I think there's six teams that could, you know, you'd have to say there's six teams that could easily win the premiership this year. Um, but that was also Mark Murphy's 300th game. So what a way to celebrate his career. <laughs> I know. I Brisbane know. and Collingwood. Uh, not speaking, surprising result. Bit of a slaughter say. again. No, I'm not surprised though. I think Brisbane. Yeah, Collingwood. Great. Collingwood are um, trying to win the wooden spoon now. I think. Danaher's fitting in well. Um, there were some good signs from Collingwood. Um, in the in the in start, the first in the, the first field, quarter, <laughs> they just couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah, so Brisbane, was, Brisbane are yeah. definite premiership contenders, although they haven't been consistent this year. So we'll see see how that's working. Um, they was, haven't, but when you get people like Neil playing well and Zorko and even Danaher, he's starting to really find his place within the team. Don't get me wrong, I think Collingwood, they had no defence. 
So I think Collingwood were partially to blame for their loss as opposed to just Brisbane being phenomenal. And you're right, they have been inconsistent. But if they all, if they can all pick it up on the day, I think they could be a true contender. There's Sydney. So there you go. Your dad's going to be happy about this one. Yes. Um, now, that, yeah, Sydney won that game, obviously. They certainly did, despite the fact that they were resting uh, Franklin. The Swans had plenty of options, lots of goal kickers. Well done. They look great. I hate to say this, but they could also be a contender. In fact, my, I spoke to my mother and I said that I would say this on radio. She is predicting a Geelong-Sydney grand final. Mm, yeah, it's possible. Definitely mm. possible. Yeah. Although I'd really love, and I know, um, shout out to Cody Purvis from Ruby Demons. Um, she's just so sad that she won't be able to watch her Demons play. Yeah. You know, at the, in the, they're playing finals and looking like contenders, you know, all this, all this time out and won't get to see them play. So uh, hopefully for those Melbourne supporters where your teams are in the finals that you get mm. to celebrate your teams in some way because I know that's really devastating. It would be. And also what's devastating for Sydney is Kennedy. That's a big loss with regards to his hamstring. I haven't heard what the outcome is and what's going to happen in that space, but I think that could be a huge loss for Sydney, more so than Franklin, who I believe was probably going to come back. Yeah, although Tom Papley's had an amazing season as well. What a star he is for them. He is. Melbourne, Adelaide, talking about Melbourne. Um, against Adelaide, once again, not completely surprising. But even so, Melbourne are just cementing themselves as the top two of that ladder. They look great. I hope that their finals campaign goes well and it, they're possible first uh, minor premiership in about 50, 60 years. So oh, yeah, win, true. If they win against Geelong, that'll be Ooh. their first minor premiership. Gosh, that's going to be a tough game to win, though. Mm. I think that's going to really tell where those two teams are at against each other, isn't it? It uh, is. And, and look, there were some good signs from Adelaide too. They, um, you know, they were able to look like, they looked like they could possibly upset Melbourne, but then you've got, you know, the likes of Matt Bourne and all that experience and they just came in and got the win and looked fantastic. Go, um, go Dees. I'm going for them during finals. I, they were my mum's team and I'd love to see them get up. Uh, and they've deserved, they've had, they've had a long enough drought, I reckon. Gold Coast and Essendon um, we also played another slaughterhouse, really. But I'm, yeah. you know what I'm really happy about is um, Moddy, who's, you know, used to be a broadcaster on our show, uh, is an Essendon supporter. And it's, I reckon it's looking like Essendon are in the finals. The They're position. looking great. And they look really good. Parish Mirror, they look great. Street and they've, they've got to play Collingwood. Yeah, they're going to play Collingwood this week. So, well, see, they uh, have a bit. They have a bit of a rivalry, though. So that could go any way. Yeah, but Collingwood. I mean, Collingwood at the moment, you'd have to favour Essendon winning that game. Um, and then there was a big upset of which were of Fremantle West Coast. What? Did not see this one coming. I know. Well, actually, West Coast would have sealed uh, Richmond out of the final. Yeah. So they've left like a tiny, tiny glimmer of hope. Um, although it is tiny. Um, <laughs> Yes. But, uh, yeah, Fremantle, they don't normally win the, the Derby Derby. They do not. And West Coast look good, and, but they just, they just didn't do anything in the, la, in the um, second quarter of the game. And the most yeah. shocking th- fact about this game, 51,692 people at Optus Stadium. Oh, so that's, what happens when you, that's what happens when COVID's not in your state. 
Yeah, well done, guys. Go you. I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy. It must have been great as well for Fremantle and West Coast to have a crowd there. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Win-win for everybody. Exactly. Anyway, you're listening to Chicks Talking Footy on Joy 94.9. Hi, I'm Peggy O'Neill, president of the Richmond Football Club, and you're listening to Chicks Talking Footy, Joy 94.9. Welcome back to Chicks Talking Footy on Joy 94.9. Fiona, what can you tell our good listeners? What are we going to discuss next? We are, well, it's, it's our dinner table, Rachel, where we um, sit down and normally dissect the football, well, off the field sort of stuff that's happening. And we really wanted to bring one main to the table this week, which is uh, any, any bets retiring from the AFL after 17 seasons. Uh, here's... A couple of goal celebrations for you to enjoy. Bets to run onto it. They need something special. Can Eddie deliver? Have a look at that for the first goal of your career. What a beauty. Turns boundary side. Heads long. Casbolt. Big jump. Eddie Bats. Turns back the clock. It is 200th game as a blow. So what a legend he's been and how much have we enjoyed him just as an entertaining player. I mean, he's been described as um, someone that could stop an entire stadium and get a whole stadium jumping to their feet at once. I mean, some of his, some of his great, uh, you know, work that he's done with that has just been absolutely, you know, amazing. Uh, and the way that he's been able to kick goals from the corner pocket in the most freaky kind of way as someone that doesn't support a team that he goes for, he's still been so exciting to watch. That's probably one of the best four pockets of our era, I guess we could say. He's brilliant. He's exciting. He's an amazing player. And it's sad to see him go, but I respect the reasons for his decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also, there hasn't been too many players that have given so much on the, on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading an article today uh, and there was a few great things that, uh, well, there's a few things that he said. Uh, I know he's stood up a lot about racism in sport and what it's, what it's meant to, you know, be an Indigenous player playing in the AFL. And one thing he said in The Age uh, just, you know, this week, it's, he said, I don't feel like it's safe at the moment. I honestly don't. I feel like there's still a lot of racism and this year there has been a lot of racism. It's been draining and it's been tiring. Every year we see, every year we see myself and the other Aboriginal boys standing up, trying to call it out, trying to make a stance, Bet said. Um, We've got to be stronger. We've got to somehow catch these people and keep them accountable for what they say online or over the fence. Um, It's really been tough and draining. So, you know, I think he's actually a little bit exhausted from from it all and uh you know he's he's just said so much here's something he he talked about when um he was sticking up for what was going on with with adam goods um i can understand why um you know because obviously what what happened to adam throughout you know his last two years of playing um afl footy and and the stuff that he copped throughout the organization and through the general public as well and it's it does um, leave a scar, 
leaves a scar. And, you know, when you speak about racial racial abuse, you know, yeah, when you speak about, you know, would time heal that? Time can't heal uh, racism, you know. That sticks with you forever. And when I think about it, you know, I think about every time that I've been racially abused and it cuts me deep. It really does. It still hurts to this day. And, and I think it's going to hurt for the rest of my life. And I think what happened to Adam is going to, um, you know, hurt him for the rest of his life. And I think a lot of people out there need to, to respect his decision and understand his decision. I know that it's been out in the media today and, you know, there'll be a lot of comments, um, you know, about Adam and all that. So, but I think truly do believe that people just need to respect Adam's decision. This is his decision. Obviously, you know, he's been racially abused. And if you don't, you have, if you haven't been racially abused, then you, have, you don't know what it feels like. It cuts you deep. And this has obviously cut Adam really deep. So, So, yeah, I think he's been one of the most vocal players in this area. What about you, Rachel? Definitely. And it's sad that potentially we're not going to have that voice and that passion and activism on the field, but hopefully he will continue off the field. And I know that he has been um, for, you know, he's very passionate about education and I believe he's the author of five books uh, for children and one of them being My People and Kindness. So he's obviously got a lot to offer in the activist space and to advocate for the rights of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and I hope that he finds that space in outside of being on the ground. Yeah, because absolutely. We need you, Eddie. We need you. We need you. Well, he did say that he, you know, wanted to keep campaigning in this space and keep educating mm. in this space, uh, and he, you know, he... he um, face the media um you know today talking about that which i'll play for you in a moment but i just think there hasn't been too many players that have really um helped educate perhaps some of the you know the football world that have previously not really been tuned in you know he's got up on fox footy and um some of those shows and just poured his heart out for um you know for what's going on sadly though i mean we're just still seeing some of those incidents aren't we on the on the field and off the field and in social media i think there's been three or four clubs in the last couple of weeks mm. that have had to put out statements again uh i mean what do you what do you have to keep doing to to help manage some of this stuff i mean mm. and when can we also you know we need to start being accountable for this we need to be responsible and accountable for our place within this as well. Yeah. Also, you know, what is he's also a strong and powerful sports person. You know, it's exciting to see he's got 350 games, I think, this week, joining, you know, the likes of Burgoyne, um, meeting that milestone. Like, he's also, he's a brilliant player. He's um, one of the players also shows that dedication and strength can really excel and you can have an amazing career within the sport. Some of you know he's had 638 goals. He's been Australian in the All Australian team three times. Four times he's got goal of the year. Like what an amazing sports person. Yeah, and you sort of think, I mean, what does and he even said this himself once. You know, what has he got to do to to prove himself when yeah. he's he's achieved all of these things and he's still, mm. you know, he's had some of the most vile, racist, you know, th things happen to him. He had a banana thrown at him at Adelaide Oval. 
Oh. Yeah, there's just all these sort of stupid things that have happened. But um, he intends to keep campaigning in that space. I hope he takes a bit of a, a rest as well and recovers because he looked exhausted from it all. Uh, but I Carlson's just want also looking for a coach, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Eddie as a coach. We'll, we'll see. I don't know if you'd want to be a coach at the moment. Maybe not at the moment. <laughs> in the AFL, but, uh, and, and look, I think the AFL still doesn't really know how to handle racism, I don't think. No. As a, as a sports body, but um, hopefully making more and more improvements. And I think what the Indigenous players have brought to our game is, um, you know, been nothing but spectacular. Uh, but yeah, he did, re he um, fronted the media today and um, retired. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to you now and see you next week, but we'll leave you with, uh, with Eddie's words as he uh, heads out of the football world after, after this week. Well done, Eddie. Thanks for listening to Chicks Talking Footy. Thanks, Eddie. What am I proudest of? Oh, probably my children. It will be one of those. Um, you know, my kids, I've got five crazy kids now, uh, five beautiful, wonderful, crazy kids. And, um, uh, you know, my son, they've been brought up in the AFL world. You know, telling Louis um, the other day, I, I've known for three weeks that I wasn't going to get an offer to another contract, but I only told Louis the other day, that I'm, this is it for me, I'm done. And that was probably the hardest conversation that I had to have with somebody because he broke down um, in tears because this is his life. This is, he's grew up in this world. And, um, you know, I said the next thing's going to be different. The next chapter is going to be a bit better. And, um, you know, I'll be supporting you now through your football journey if you want to play footy. And, but it, it'll be that and uh, probably standing up for what I believe in. Uh, and that's racism here within Australia. Um, you know, watching what Adam went through and what he did and what he received uh, wasn't nice to see. And he gave me that voice and that strength to stand up and talk about um, and then to believe in myself and had the strength and courage to to stamp out racism here in Australia um, and call it out when I see it and educate people. And, and that's probably one thing that I'm really proud of doing with uh, the latest stage of my journey um, in the AFL. Having that conversation three weeks ago, because I, I wanted to know, and I said, listen, you know, I've got stuff that I'm going to do, be doing outside of footy, so um, at least give me a heads up so then I can start organising a few things. And we sat down, had that conversation, um, and, and I was happy with the decision. I was a bit disappointed. I was really sad at first because I felt like I wanted to go on because I love working with the, the young players, especially the young forward, small forwards and Matty Owies and, and, and Josh Honey and those boys. And I really, um, you know, liked the way that they developed this year. And, and so I was a bit disappointed, but on the other phase, I was, I was pretty wrapped and pretty happy um, to start the next phase of my career. And, uh, and we sat down and we spoke about it. You know, like we said, we've got some small, some great small forwards coming through. Um, and, you know, I'm 34 going on to 35, so uh, I'm not getting any younger. Um, and and footy's – it is pretty tough. It is a really tough game. You know, if it was easy, everybody would be playing. But it is pretty draining and mentally tough at, at stages. And so I was happy. To be honest, I was happy with the decision. Um, and now I'm just looking forward for the next phase of my career. Yeah, I, I, spoke to, I spoke to the players yesterday and I said to them that I believe I've got a bigger role to play now. My journey is only just beginning. Um, you know, I, I, I want to stamp out racism in Australia. I want to make change. And I told them that I can't do that by myself. I need their help as well. And, and at this stage, you know, I'm working with Coles, 
uh, throughout Australia and within the communities. Um, I'm working with Fox Footy at the moment, uh, which is really nice, um, and I'll continue to do that. And I'm in the process of starting up my own foundation. Uh, we're in the process of bringing a team together to help out young Aboriginal kids throughout Australia to, uh, to achieve their goals and their dreams and, and be leaders in whatever aspect they want to do. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.